Hi, interns, and welcome back to another week, another Thursday, and another misdiagnosis. Today, we're headed back down under to Queensland, Australia. According to Wikipedia, Queensland is located in the northeast part of the continent, with a coastline covering nearly 7,000 kilometers, or about 4,350 miles, and is just offshore of the Great Barrier Reef. It's the second largest and third most populated of all of the Australian states. For perspective, Queensland is nearly five times the size of Japan, seven times the size of Great Britain, and two and a half times the size of Texas. Which, as a side note, why the heck is Texas so big? It's also home to over 200 national parks, covering a whopping six and a half million hectares. But despite the vast natural landscapes and the innate beauty of Australia, our story today is much, much darker. Welcome to the Miss Medical Podcast, Diagnosis Flatline. I'm your host, Destry Godwin. Miss Medical explores stories of misdiagnosis, malpractice, mysteries, and misogyny. You're my interns, and this is where true crime and medicine collide. This is Miss Medical. Our story starts back in late 2018, when 38-year-old Lucy Dolbell was at a house party. Since I don't have a specific date, and it's been very snowy here where I am, I like to imagine this as a holiday or maybe a Christmas get-together type of party. Although, considering we are talking about Australia here, I'm pretty sure it wasn't snowy. At the party, Lucy experienced what is probably the worst nightmare for every woman of childbearing years. Sudden, unexpected female bleeding. But this was not just an embarrassing mix-up of her cycle dates. This was bleeding that was described as a massive hemorrhage. I don't know if Lucy immediately saw a doctor following that first incident. I do know that people have said she's a very private person, so she might have been hesitant to rush to the doctors straight away. After all, women's bodies do some really weird things sometimes, and I know many women close to me who are prone to brush things off unless it becomes a regular occurrence. 
I do know, though, that Lucy continued to suffer from abnormal bleeding over the span of 2019. When her husband, Stephen, spoke to a news station, he described it as huge handfuls of blood representing a murder scene. And Lucy herself told Seven News, quote, something was really wrong. I was just very unwell, end quote. Lucy did visit her doctor sometime in 2019 to address the bleeding. The doctors told her they believed she had endometrial polyps, something they assured her was pretty standard for a woman of her age. For a quick crash course, if you're not familiar with these polyps, they are caused by an overgrowth of the cells that line the uterus, which are called endometrial cells, that are attached to the uterine wall and then protrude into the uterus space. Usually, these polyps are benign, meaning they're not malignant like cancerous, although some can be cancerous or considered precancerous, but that's not usually the norm. Size-wise, they can be tiny, like the size of a sesame seed, all the way up to the size of a golf ball. Most commonly, the polyps are located on the top wall of the uterus, which is called the fundus which is a funny name, really, because it kind of makes me think of fun dip, but there is nothing fun dip about polyps. If you don't know what fun dip is, it's that powder candy, you know, where you lick the candy stick and then you dip it in. Uh, all right, maybe that actually relates a little too well to the uterus. Moving on. Polyps are attached to the uterine wall with a thick stalk, and then the end of them is more ball-shaped. Kind of like the uvula that hangs at the back of your throat, they just kind of dangle from the uterine wall. That's actually kind of a really awkward visual as well. I feel like this whole description is trying to lead me into a trap of really horribly inappropriate analogies. Alright, back to how this relates to our story. The top symptom that would point to a uterine or endometrial polyp? Anybody want to guess? Irregular or heavy bleeding. This can be due to the polyp irritating the tissue around it, rupturing blood vessels that are close to the surface, or the polyp itself bleeding. So going back to our story, while endometrial polyps certainly seems a pretty likely diagnosis, I'm not sure what steps they took to confirm that diagnostically, or if they offered her any treatment options, considering how much the bleeding seemed to be really affecting her life. 
And if there was any question about the impact of her blood loss, you can imagine how extreme it must have been when you consider that she ended up in the hospital towards the end of 2019, which was only a year after that very first initial episode. And her hemoglobin levels were so low that she needed a blood transfusion. Finally, they decided to offer her a solution. Surgery. But when the surgeons went in to remove the polyps, they were shocked at what they found. Lucy didn't have polyps. She had a 5-centimeter tumor on her cervix, which had pushed through the uterus wall into the endometrial tissue. Lucy's official diagnosis was changed from endometrial polyps to cervical cancer. But it just kept getting worse. The surgeons at that point told Lucy's husband, Stephen, that they weren't willing to operate on the tumor because, as they explained to him, the area was so full of blood vessels that they wouldn't be able to stop her bleeding to death. Suddenly, Lucy's prognosis was looking poor. Instead of having multiple treatment options available to her, which may have been the case if the tumor had been caught earlier, she was left with only intense chemotherapy and radiation in her fight against the cancer. The next few years were grueling on the family. Lucy, Stephen, and their two daughters all tried to stay positive and optimistic, not willing to even consider that Lucy wouldn't win the battle. But they faced many scares of Lucy having extreme bleeding. Reports said 15 separate episodes, which they feared would be deadly each and every time. Medical professionals worked hard each time to stabilize Lucy, but they also warned the couple that in the future, they may have to limit Lucy's interventions based on a cost-benefit analysis. If that doesn't seem unfair to you, it might when I tell you that this cost-weary medical system also happened to leave a more than one meter long strip of gauze inside Lucy after one such life-saving procedure. It's no small miracle she didn't end up with a septic infection from it. But yeah, sure, let's worry about the cost of preserving somebody's life. I really just can't fathom. I, I do understand in the world we live in, there is not enough money for everything all the time. I do get that, but... It just seems so insane to me that we can put a dollar amount on a human life where we can say, okay, well, you know, we'll save you this time, but if this keeps happening, 
it's going to cost you too much and it's not worth our money to keep saving you. Then, after all Lucy had been through, 2020 hit and Lucy contracted COVID during one of her hospital visits, forcing her apart from her family at one of the most fragile times of her life. I can't even begin to imagine the turmoil she and her family must have felt, feeling like they were always just one bleeding event away from losing Lucy, and then being forced into a position where they wouldn't even have a chance to say goodbye if that were to happen. Lucy fought hard with no shortage of bravery for four whole years before she lost the war. Lucy passed away on May 27, 2022, at the age of 42. On a GoFundMe page for the family, Lucy's husband Stephen shared the following, quote, Unfortunately, last night I had to say goodbye to my true soulmate and the most amazing person I have ever met in my life. Such a true warrior and a magnificent mother to both of our children. Lucy fought such a long, hard battle right up until she took her very last breath as I wrapped her so tightly in my arms as she drifted away, destined for heaven. I have never met anyone like my Lucy, just so brave, inspirational, admirable, extremely intelligent, charismatic, passionate, thoughtful, courageous, determined, fearless, overflowing with tenacity, absolutely stunning inside and out. She touched so many lives. I am flooded with sadness and emotions that I never thought it was even possible for me to feel. To say that I am heartbroken is such a massive, massive understatement. My life will never be the same. I am so blessed and so grateful that she chose me to enjoy life with, but unfortunately, it was cut way, way too short. We still had so much left to do together down here. End quote. Lucy did leave behind a message before her passing, and I'd like to close this episode with her words. Quote, Trust yourself. Follow your gut. Do not be bullied. No one knows your body better than you. You can't just roll over and accept what you're being told. Be strong. End quote. Don't forget you can find us on Patreon, on Buy Me A Coffee, and on Instagram if you want to come and follow along and interact a little bit more. And we will be back next week on Thursday with something brand new for you. See you then, interns. For sources and additional show notes, follow the link in the episode summary to our website. If you'd like to see pictures related to the episodes and the Miss Medical Podcast, you can find us on Instagram as Miss Medical Podcast. 
If you love Miss Medical and want to support the show, find us on Patreon where you can officially join the intern team. All episodes are written by myself and aim to be as factually accurate as possible. Music is an original composition recorded and produced by Jason Chamberlain. And of course, make sure you follow the podcast on your chosen platform so you never miss an episode. 